Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the 20th Century Girls podcast. Hi, welcome back, you guys. So today, we have another special birthday episode, guys. I'm very excited. (laughs) We've had birthday episodes so many times just in the past couple weeks. It's insane. (laughs) Yes, and as we said, there were a lot of many birthday episodes that we couldn't, like, we wish we could do all of them, but, you know, time is tricky sometimes. So, last week we had Miss Audrey Hepburn, and today we are celebrating the incredible, amazing, legendary Mr. Fred Astaire. Yay! <laughs> Very happy. You, you've heard us mention him a couple of times on the, uh, on the podcast, so uh, it'll be fun to learn a bit about his life this time. I love him. He's the greatest dancer of all time. <laughs> and that is that, yeah. That is it. That's that. So, let's get started, shall we? All right. So, Mr. Fred Astaire was born Frederick Austerlitz on May 10th, 1899 in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, He did have one older sister. She's about three years older. Her name was Adele. And um, she was actually a very talented dancer as well. Um, When they were younger, she... They both danced, and she was actually the reason that um, Fred got into dancing. He he kind of danced around a little bit, and then they were like, yeah. his parents were like, "Hey, let's put him in the classes too." Um, and once they started performing together, she was actually considered the talented one. Really? Uh huh. She she was big. She was um, she was, yeah. The guys loved her in the twenties. She was a very, very famous dancer, and it was mostly her. Up until once Fred got um, a little older into his teen years, they were like, okay, he, this guy's got some talent. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was the main star of the show. Really? That's different. Because mm-hmm. you, know, you think of Fred Astaire, I didn't even know he had a sister, really. Yeah. So I'm And like, she wow. was the main star, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, uh, he's basically been performing professionally since he was five years old. Um, and because of this, since they were going to enter show business, the family moved to New York city and, uh, Fred's dancing was inspired by, um, other professional dancers such as Bill Bojangles Robinson. If you know him, he was, um, all, not always, but a lot opposite of Shirley Temple and her movies and also John Bubble sublet, I believe. <clears throat> now, I do remember in his book, he mentioned that he was not a fan of ballet, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, okay." I mean, it's not—it's like, definitely great. not everyone's taste. Um, just because you know the technique, like it's so like picky, it's like and, it's yeah, very, you don't have room to like mess up or like insert now, like or a, anything like that. It's, yeah. Like, when you're performing in the show, you don't see that because it's all choreography when you're actually mm-hmm. doing the show. But, yeah, the classes, you're very rigid and then grace and everything together. So it wasn't his favorite. He liked tap and eventually ballroom as well because he can, you know, be more free and do what he wants. Yeah. Um, by the age of 14, uh, that is when Fred started taking on more musical responsibilities for their act. And he would come up a little bit with more choreography. And he he would be... She, pretty much Adele now would just 
be the dancer. And then Fred would take control of everything. Um, around this time, this is where he met George Gershwin. While they were they were working on a show or figuring music out for a number or something. Um, and, you know, the Gershwin brothers are very, very big. Um, wow, I'm blanking out. Composers, excuse me. They're very gigantic yeah. composers. Did a lot of movies. Just pretty much just like the Berlins. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. I've heard of them. They're so, right up there. Yeah. And yeah, so they, they were very good friends for like forever. Awesome. But then eventually they did make it to Broadway in 1917 with their first patriotic review called Over the Top. And like I said, now that he's a little bit older of a teenager, his dancing became more noticed at this time. Yeah. I figured you go to Broadway, Mm -hmm. that's where most people will get noticed or discovered or something. Yeah. In terms of like dancing and theater and and like Mm -hmm. musical things like that. Yeah. Um, in his book, he does mention, though, like, yes, he was dancing professionally for money and stuff since he was, like, five years old, but in those venues, they were very small, stingy little areas. It was nothing big, like, maybe at a carnival that wasn't nice or anything like that. Yeah. Um, Broadway wasn't the same thing that it is today. (laughs) Yeah. It's still very big. It's still the best performing stage you can get in America at that time, but, Yeah. So, you know, they, he, they still had to work around a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And then eventually they made it to Broadway. So during the 20s, that is when he appeared mostly on Broadway. And he was even a little more more popular in London. That, that is where he definitely got a name for himself and his sister. Um, so really? they did shows. Yeah. So he, That's a he, surprise to me. I didn't know that before this. Yeah, so. I learned that in the book. In the book, <laughs> um, yeah. So he would travel between New York and London pretty often, but uh, it seems like London just really loved his shows a lot. Like that. That's where he got all the best reviews and everything. They really liked him over there. Um, so some of the shows that they did together was Lady Be Good in 1924. Uh, that was with the Gershwin brothers. Funny Face, 1927, and The Bandwagon in 1931. Now, if these sound familiar to you, it is because (laughs) most of them, minus Lady Be Good, are movies that he ends up doing. I was going to say. He also did The Gay Divorce, but they changed the name to The Gay Divorce Scene for Ginger Rogers. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the broad, they were all, almost all probably Broadway shows that he did. And then they adapted it into a film. Okay. Mm-hmm. But of course, like he was doing all this with the sisters, so those were brother-sister acts. So when they did the film adaptations, yeah. well, that's yeah, when they changed obviously. it, added the romance factor a little bit. He was older, of course, he was a, a man <laughs> at that time. <laughs> so he's not a teenager. Yeah. In this movie. <laughs> so they're able to add more of the romanticism in that. However. Um, his sister was getting tired of show business. Um, so at, in 1932, Adele actually retired and married Lord Charles Cavendish, who was a duke. Okay. So royalty, <laughs> I can't remember. I think it's from Ireland. I think they lived in Ireland. I can't okay. recall for sure. Um, that was not what I expected. Yeah. Like, hey, good for I mean, her. She, she lived her life for about 20 years doing show business, 18 to 20 years probably. And then 
But then, you know, she kind of wanted an almost normal life and lived with royalty. Go be a duchess. Um, like, yeah. They talk about the story when they when um, they appear at her dressing room and, like, they fell in love and stuff. So it's actually really good. Go check out Fred Astaire's autobiography because I didn't know it existed until maybe a year or two ago. I was going you were the one who mentioned that you were reading it. And I just yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing either. Yeah, I don't even remember where. I think probably one of the Instagram pages I follow mentioned it. And I'm like, what? He has an autobiography? How have I not read this yet? And so then I did. And yes, it is quite interesting. Hmm. So now I'm like, at least I get the truth from his side. That's why I love autobiographies, because it's from them. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so Fred was a little upset. He could kind of see it coming because she was getting very difficult to rehearse with. Yeah, Um, that's typically when people... Yeah. Have you, did you see the Royal Wedding movie? I, I, I thought can't you remember. It. Like, it's when um, he's with a sister and they like travel on a boat. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. It is on Prime. It is on Prime, guys. Okay. Um, that one, their relationship, since it's a brother sister duo act, mm-hmm. is very inspired from his real life. Uh, okay. There's more, there's more funny stories about it too, actually. So, but you gotta go read the book and watch the movie. I was like, that would be interesting to watch now after learning all this stuff. Like, yeah, hmm. yeah, we're gonna learn more. <laughs> so, in 1933, he was like, "Well, my partner left me, so let's go give Hollywood a try." So, he ended up having an RKO screen test, which actually reportedly said it is lost because of a big fire that happened which unfortunately a whole bunch of golden age era materials were lost and it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Like, oh, it hurts. But the screen test report said, can't act, slightly bald, also dances. For Mr. Fred Astaire, who's now number five on the AFI list, greatest actors of all time. Okay. All right. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what it said, guys. So you know what? You're gonna get a lot of no's and a lot of bad reviews, but you could still make your dreams come true. <laughs> so after that screen test, he kind of figured like nothing was gonna come out of it. So he went back to New York, living his life. Yeah. And that is where he met his future wife, Phyllis, who was a New York socialite. And she was basically the love of his life. Aww. Um she did have a son from previous marriage, and then they also had two children together, Fred Jr. in 1936 and Ava in 1942. Okay. Um, yeah. But Hollywood seemed to like him somewhat, so they decided to bring somewhat. him down. And his first film, actually, um, he his first film debut, he danced with Joan Crawford in Dancing Lady in 1933. So I didn't know that. I like I thought his first film was with Ginger Rogers. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was Flying Down to Rio uh, with Dolores Del Rio. I think yes, that's her name. I, I thought that say, was I the don't first picture, one. I don't picture Joan Crawford as a dancer. But... I didn't either. But oh my god, apparently she does. I saw I like, like a okay. little bit of the clips, and I was like, wow. So I need to watch that. But yeah, so I thought the flying down to Rio was the first one. That's his first time he danced with Ginger Rogers and they had small parts together. Okay. But this one, he was portraying himself as Fred Astaire in this film um, with Joan Crawford. So yeah. So that ended up doing pretty well. So RKO decided to sign him and 
him and his wife moved to Hollywood. The rest is history. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> so once he was in Hollywood, um, they were discussing about him finding a new partner. And he was like, nah, I don't want to partner up with anyone. I just partnered with my sister all these years. And then she left me. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I could get the apprehension. Yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> but here comes Ginger Rogers. <laughs> so Miss Young Ginger Rogers. And I believe they were about a 10-year difference. She's about 10 years younger than him. Just just so we know. Um, anyway, so, yes. Yeah, so their first film together was Flying Down to Rio. And they, they had small roles in that they were not the main characters. Mm-hmm. But... Their dance in it apparently got a whole bunch of rave reviews. And they're like, hey, this is an awesome dancing duo. Maybe we signed them together for more movies. Hence, you know, a very long contract <laughs> for the future dancing yeah. person <laughs> for a very, very long time. Dang, okay. Um, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... This dancing duo, along with Hermes Pan, who was pretty much Fred Astaire's right-hand man and other co-choreographer. I know that you've heard that name before in this podcast. (laughs) Oh, yes. Absolutely. Hermes Pan, he is brilliant. Okay. Um, So, yeah. So, by them, they are the ones who really incorporated dance into these musicals. They're the ones that did it, guys. Yes. Yay for dance. And then, you know, <laughs> music, what is a musical without dance? Come on. I can't so, picture thank it. Thank you. No, it's not a thing. <laughs> no. No. If you're going to have singing. No, if you're going to have singing and music, you're going to have dancing. It is a must. It is, it is the only way. So, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire made nine films together at RKO, including The Gate of Orsi, 1934, Top Hat, which is probably Fred Astaire's most popular film. That was 1935. And Shall We Dance in 1937. Six out of the nine musicals became the biggest money makers at RKO. Six out of nine. Fun fact in Top Hat, if you watch, um, if you do watch Top Hat, there's a scene with a girl by like a little flower shop florist that is very young. Lucille Ball. The young and blonde Lucille Ball. Yeah. What? When I was on her IMDb and I saw that, it's like an uncredited role. And she talks yeah. about she talks about it in her autobiography. And um Yeah, yeah, she talks about it and how like she's surprised like they didn't fire her because she kept messing up because she was so nervous and everything. Oh my god. But uh God. that was how old I was, was she? Oh, probably tw- no more than twenty five. No, she's younger. Twenty three, twenty four, I think. Wow. Yeah. So they had to change up the lines um, so she can get it, but she was so nervous she kept messing up. Um, but yeah, oh a little young blonde Lucille Ball <laughs> trying to I break feel in. Like and no episode of this podcast that we don't mention her. Yeah, she. You know, she's the queen of comedy. <laughs> she's gonna be in every single episode, guys. Um, but yeah, she actually she's actually in several. Uh, she has several small roles in. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies. So keep an eye out. Yeah. So yeah, so as I said, um, he, Fred Astaire did not want any other partners. But then they kind of made him do it with Ginger Rogers, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there, are, there were rumors 
that they hated each other. And I've like heard those that made me really sad when I heard about this. Like, <laughs> oh no! But I mean, it happens. Um, but no, in his book, he does decline. And what happened was when they were filming, I think it's in Top Hat, the famous dance cheek to cheek. Yeah. Ginger's wearing this dress with thousands of feathers on it. So when they're dancing mm-hmm. and she's twirling as fast as she does, because it's a Fred Astaire and Ginger Roger dance, um, feathers are flying everywhere. And it went up his nose and his mouth <laughs> and his eyes. So he kind of had a little mini explosion on set. So because of that, people started assuming, oh, they don't work well together. They don't like each other. No, yeah. it's just that one incident. And guys, if you are performers, you know the situation. That like, sounds... Like, I, I... I personally know what that is like. In Nutcracker, when we were in the snow scene, we have little plastic white stuff coming down and we have to breathe that in it goes up our nose and down our our blouses and everything and it gets stuck in your hair sometimes in our mouths i completely (laughs) understand what he was feeling oh my gosh and you know what you do you just keep smiling and if you're gonna choke or can't breathe you hold it for a little bit until the curtain goes down so yeah, I completely understand his like, frustration. But yeah, but no, they, they said that they were always very good friends. Um, I think they kind of had a little thing for each other very early on. Um, I think it was probably after Down to Rio. Or it might have been before. They met previously for a little bit. Yeah. And they went to a club or something with a group of friends. But after that, that is when he met his wife. So yeah. nothing I else mean, that would ever happened. Sense. Yeah. Um, so, yes, back to the timeline. So, ten years after their final film partnership, they did return together for one last time doing the Barclays of Broadway in 1949. However, Fred left RKO in 1939 to freelance and do some more opportunities, um, and he got to do my favorite old Hollywood film of all time, Holiday Inn in 1940. (laughs) You'll Never Get Rich, 1941. That was one out of, I believe, two movies he did with Rita Hayworth. I want to see those so bad. I've seen clips of them dance together, and they're incredible. And in the book, more stories about Rita Hayworth in the past, and it's crazy. Yes. Entertainment business, it's big, but it's a small world. And also, Zigfield Follies, 1945. Now, another fun fact. I have been wanting to watch Zigfield Follies for a very long time. Again, because Lucy is in it. Very small role. I'm sure she's just in the background. A lot of female celebrities are in it, too. I cannot remember who, but I have read a lot of female celebrities are in it. And I had no idea that this was a Fred Astaire movie. Not only is it a Fred Astaire movie, it is the only movie where Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly did together. Oh, my God. There is one dance. On YouTube, you can find, and that is the only time you see Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly dancing together on film. Yeah. And their styles were very, like, they used to get compared a lot because mm-hmm. they both were, like, really big into, like, but they had a different style of tap yes, dancing. Yes. Like, yeah. 
like if you really follow their style, they're completely different dancers. They're both yeah. fabulous, tap but they're going to get compared just because it, it's that kind of time. But yes, Gene Kelly was more about like athletics, and mm-hmm. I just like Fred Astaire is almost graceful with his. He just like, flies with everything. Yeah. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's in. Yeah, that needs to be another movie review. I want to watch that. <laughs> Same. It was on demand, and I wanted to watch it so bad. But it was at the time that I was moving, so I didn't have time, and I'm so sad. Oh, my God. <sighs> but, yes, I've been wanting to watch that <laughs> initially because legacy. That's insane. No, that needs to be That needs to be something we need to do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Somehow we got to find it. If we have to just buy it online, then you know what? We're going to buy it. We can find it on Prime, I'm sure. No, it's not on Prime. Trust me, I would I would have watched it if it wasn't on Prime already. Um, at least on yeah, for free on Prime, it is not. <laughs> it's not for, like you can't buy it. That I don't know. I rather I I personally rather have the item. I'm very old fashioned. I don't like today's thing where you stream everything. No, I I like buying my CDs. I like buying my DVDs and having them. But that is the old soul in me, guys. All right, getting back into it. So, Fred actually announced an early retirement in 1946. So he can focus on his family. And like every other celebrity back then, they were very interested in horse racing. (laughs) Everyone was so, like, they would always go to the horse races. I don't know why. But, yeah. So, again, in his book, he talks a lot about it. Um, But he had an award-winning horse. He really got into horse racing or in a couple horses. Um, but, but yeah, so he did retire, I think for maybe about two years, roughly, (laughs) roughly. And here's the fun story here. We can thank Mr. Gene Kelly. Um, have you seen Easter parade with no, but I've seen clips of it. Okay. You know, Fred Astaire's in that one though, right? With Judy Garland. Okay. Yeah. That was supposed to be Gene Kelly in that movie. Supposed to be Judy Garland and Gene Kelly. But while that would have been amazing, <laughs> I know I can't see it with him. It would have been great, but I can't see it. It would have been great, but I can't. I think I they, the I think they have other films together, Fred though. In it. So I, he would have been amazing. Gene Kelly's always amazing, mm-hmm. but I don't know. He doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a fit with Judy Garland, but okay. I think they did one or two movies. I think they may have done one movie prior to this. I can't. I I think they did. Um, So thanks to Gene Kelly, he actually broke his ankle on set. So he's like, hey, let's call over my friend Fred Astaire. He's retired, but, you know, let's bring him back in. And Fred was a little hesitant at first, but he kind of always wanted to do a movie with Judy Garland as well. Yeah. So he agreed. And now it is a Fred Astaire and Judy Garland movie, Easter Parade, 1948. And actually, we we did discuss this, I think, in the 1930s fashion episode. I'm not the biggest Judy Garland fan, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. Okay, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff. Uh, when I rewatched, I watched this when I was younger, and I was like, still like, meh. But when I watched this recently, maybe a year ago, yeah, well, definitely during the pandemic, um, yeah. I was like, you know what, this is actually a pretty good movie. And Judy Garland <laughs> does pretty good in it, actually. I will definitely give her that. <laughs> With Fred Astaire? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so unfortunately, uh, 
Judy did have her problems and whatnot. And so Fred wanted to do another. He had a really good time with her and wanted to do another movie. And they were trying to work around it. But, you know, she had health and mental issues. And then she eventually passed away. So it was never done. Of course, Mr. Fred Astaire continued to act in movies and TV shows all the way into his later years. Because we, as performers, can't truly ever retire. (laughs) Even if we're going to try to retire, we can't. It's not possible for us. So uh, his final musical was Finian's Rainbow. Um, and that was actually directed by Mr. Francis Ford Coppola, who we know and love from <laughs> The Outsiders. <laughs> I know everyone else is like, oh, Godfather. And Megan and I are like, no, Outsiders. <laughs> I, didn't even know he, I didn't even know he directed the godfather till i was older because we read the outsiders at a young age and i don't know why that affected our friend group so much they no longer have you read the outsiders in schools so it really i'm so isn't, upset by that it really isn't like this most like amazing classic book but for some reason like it made this huge impact on like for us definitely but if you talk to anyone, at least our age, our generation, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember The Outsider. That was actually a really good book. It w- I think it was. It was just one of those books that, like, it wasn't normal. It wasn't the kind of books that, like, you were forced to read or anything like that. Even it though we felt- were. <laughs> it- yeah, we were still forced to read it, but it wasn't, like, boring. It was different, yeah. It was I- different. I don't it know wasn't- what it was. I don't know. And if the movie's ever- great. The cast the is chance, amazing. Like- I, I'll put that as, like, a recommended book when I become an English teacher. Like You should just do it as required for your own if I had the If I have the chance, yes, then yes. I will do that. But oh. if anything, I'll be, like, Because the generation of today <laughs> is not going to know what The Outsiders is. And they should be very educated on it because well, like you asked, it's like, good and entertaining. They don't know what that is. <gasps> I'm very they know it as the... As a movie that I would watch. And like they've heard me talk about the book. Oh my god. Nope. 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 They need to be <laughs> re-educated. So <sighs> it, it's crazy honestly. But yeah. This book for some reason made the biggest impact on our lives. And I don't even know why. I'd like to reread it again as like a real adult. And like see. Mm-hmm. And really <laughs> judge it uh, 12 and, like, years really later. Judge it <laughs> through like my english composition brain like mm-hmm. as a, like as a college student like that'd be really interesting but oh man you know I, yeah i would absolutely reread that one too i don't reread <laughs> i've never reread a book i don't think ever i'm not a big reader but that would be one i would consider anyway um, <laughs> you know we detour a lot in this podcast so here we go again 1970 i did not realize this until maybe a few years ago but in the little Christmas classic called Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Fred Astaire is the one narrating the movie. What? I was wondering if you knew that or not. No. I found that out maybe two. Nope, that's a lie. I think I found that out last year, maybe. It's not my maybe favorite two years like, ago. Christmas thing to watch, but yeah, now me like, either, but... I need to watch this. Yeah. Great. I mean, like, yeah, I... Like, <laughs> Those ones never really my favorite either, but then I was like, oh my god, Fred Astaire, and I was like, 
I looked at it and like, oh, it even looks like him. And he has I a just, little I pipe to, and everything. I was like, I need to watch it at least one one more time. Because I don't watch a ton. Like, I love Christmas movies and classics and stuff. I have a few that I watch every year. But that's just never been one of them. It, okay. That's another one. That'd be nope. interesting. <laughs> On June 24th, 1980... Fred Astaire remarried Robin Smith, who was actually a jockey that took care of some of his horses. Um, and like some of the celebrities back then, also Gene Kelly, uh, they these women were half their age. So she was about 40, and he was 81 at the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I understand big age differences. Like, even 20 years. But like, in, that's in the celebrity lot. world. I like it happens. Forty years? That's, that's a little crazy. Like <laughs> that is crazy to me for forty years. Yeah, I think exactly forty-four, give or take, something like that. Um, that's still... yeah. So they were together for several years. They they had about six and a half years together, almost seven. Um, actually, they were just two days short of their seventh wedding anniversary. When, unfortunately, um, Fred Astaire died from pneumonia at the age of 88. And, yeah, one thing I actually found really, I don't want to say this is an interesting fact, like, mm-hmm. about his death. It's a like, nice thing. It's a nice thing. Um, kind of like, I'm going to throw a little bit Freddie Mercury, because he kind of did that, too. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, how nice. <laughs> I, just, I loved when reading that one of his last requests was to actually thank his fans. Mm-hmm. For all the love and support that they'd given him throughout the years. And, I mean, he still has fans, mm-hmm. like, way after his death. So, I just think that's really sweet. <laughs> you don't yeah. hear it too much uh, nowadays. So, but he's buried in Oakwood Memorial Park Cemetery in Chatsworth, California. Mm-hmm. Fun <laughs> fact, <laughs> Ginger Rogers is buried there too, guys. So you can see both of them. And I don't think their plaques are too far apart from each other. How perfect. I know, honestly. right? I know. <laughs> um, but another thing. So when he died, he actually wrote a clause into his will that he never wanted to be portrayed in film. Yep. Like, he never wanted... He never wanted a film like that to take place. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't want to be... Because he, he knew for a fact that some pieces of his life would be construed the wrong way. And yeah. he didn't want that. It's pretty smart, Because he actually. was actually, he was pretty private. He didn't go to a lot of social events. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with his personal life, he was pretty private. It's the same thing, like, Christina's talked about how he, no one was ever allowed in the, in the room when he was choreographing. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I just, like, I think it's interesting because... We see nowadays, especially where people are, you know, making movies about people, people's lives and all these old uh, golden era celebrities. Like we had the Judy Garland movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure if anybody listens to this podcast, you probably have heard about the Elvis movie that's coming mm-hmm. out. And you've heard about the Lucy and Desi movie that is being worked on right now. Very controversial <laughs> opinions. Um, but I think it's interesting that you have a very uh, well-known celebrity for the time who mm-hmm. openly said that he did not want this to happen. 
Yeah, and this was back in the eighties when he said it. Yeah, before like, before all any of this, this stuff happening. was happening. Like at the time, I don't even think people were remake were making like biographies on these people and things like that. Here, here and there, maybe, but uh, not but not was, as much as today. It's not as much as today. Like I can look back and be like, there are several different movies I can even just think of where like these char- these people are portrayed as like caricatures almost. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of these kinds of movies because yeah, it depends. Re- it's very, it's very know. hard to do. I feel for me, I feel like if they're gonna do it, I feel like they should get nobodies, some people barely starting in the acting industry, because then you don't expect like oh that's Nicole Kidman being Lucille Ball. No, it's being like oh okay, it's an actress that's acting as Lucille Ball. It's different, and then. If the movie happens to do really well, that could be really helpful in that actor's career. That's well, that what I, I think. think you don't have the controversies of anything. Like another big thing again with this De- Lucy Desi movie, we do have some opinions on it. Uh, you had the whole thing that the person who's playing uh, Desi Arnaz, he's not Cuban, so yeah. you could have tried. Now, to find- nowadays, a lot of people are very picking you, on you could have tried to find yeah. an unknown cuban actor who could have done it and people are very big on like you know portraying those kinds of things correctly so yeah. for me personally i loved bohemian rhapsody it's one of my favorite movies it's definitely probably my top five top six favorite movies of all it time a good movie um i've known rami malik since Night at the Museum. So I knew exactly who this guy was. A lot of people didn't know exactly except for iRobot. Or no, Mr. Yeah. Robot? One of the I... one of those is a Mr. S- is a Will Smith movie. So I always get it mixed up. But sure a TV it's... show. Yeah. Um, so that's where he got a lot of recognition from. Um, but still, a good amount of people didn't know who he was. I did. Um, and I, I knew a couple of the actors in the film as well. But they're not top Hollywood actors and actors celebrities. They picked an actor that could easily transform into the role. I he portrayed not, him so well. It. I didn't My even gosh. think about who he was. I was like, okay, that is just a really good portrayal. So yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm hoping that these people who they have to play Desi and Lucy and Elvis, especially and all these. Different I mean, they people, have prosthetics now too, which does help sometimes. Which is great. I mean, cool. I don't know. It just, it worries me. It's hard to do it. If you're going to do it, you got to do it as right as you possibly can. There's always going to be Bohemian someone who's going to criticize excellent. it, though. I really liked um, Rocketman, too, actually. I thought Taron Edgerton did an excellent job portraying Elton John. I actually didn't have too many things with that movie. He, I, yeah. It was, it, it was very different from Bohemian Rhapsody. And I know that a lot of people were expecting it to be like that. Yeah. But of course, it's, of course, it's more musical. Because, hello, look at Elton John. Elton <laughs> He's a mu- like, musical in himself yeah. with the clothes he wears. <laughs> so, of course, they're going to make it a little more cheesy and whatnot. But I actually personally really liked it. And I thought Taron Edgerton, I think he should have been nominated. Not win the Oscar because he did have big competition, but I think he should have been nominated for the Oscar. Well, I think I was something also interesting in my point of view is I think it's really good when the people who are trying to make these movies are getting approval and like including people who actually knew the person. Are like, in I love, exactly. I love the fact that the Lucy and Desi movie, they do have uh, 
Lucy Arnaz, like, yes. Oh, I would have on it and being the there. Fact like, that she's approving of it. I'm like, okay, exactly. I'm letting that's, go. That's helping me be like, yes. okay, she, she knows her mom yeah. and dad. Like, I, if they weren't doing that, I'd be like, there's no way in heck that I'm going to watch well, this movie. Is the but Elvis she, movie, is Priscilla Presley involved in that or is she? You know what? Like, I don't know. We, we got to research that. I don't know. I feel like in some way she must be, in some way. Just here and there, but at least like Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen was there like every single day yeah, on set. Like they had there's and, pictures of them on set. Yeah, <laughs> they're there like, all the time. <laughs> they're there from the beginning to the end. Same with Elton John and yeah. Taron Egerton. Like I, yes, I, think I feel that it helps when exactly. you have those kinds of things. But I mean, I do really think it's interesting that somebody like Fred Astaire would be like, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want that to happen. You know, because it is always true. These movies can misconstrued things mm-hmm. because you really are only getting one side. You don't get the side of, well, most of the time you don't have the side of the person who you're making the movie about. Because exactly. most of the time these things take place after the person's gone. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that he knew, he kind of had the thought in his head, like, mm-hmm. this is going to get misconstrued if I, <laughs> yeah. if this happens. <laughs> of course. So, a little something extra that I do want to add. Um, of course, he lived during World War II. He really wanted to perform in Europe for the USO. Mm-hmm. It took him a long time to get there. Because, <laughs> like, once they're like, hey, maybe you can come by. Oh, no, you got to do, like, these other two or three movies. And, oh, maybe this time yeah. you can come. No. Eventually, he did make it. He <laughs> met up with uh, Bing Crosby over there at one time. Um but actually, so finally they're like, hey, we have a plane for you. And, you know, because the number, I think I might get the facts a little mixed up. But again, he does talk about this. And this was a very shocking thing to me in his book. Um, but they asked him, they're like, do you have a problem with the number 13? Because the plane that we have you on has 13 people. And 13 is like a bad luck number. He's yeah. like, I don't care. Sure. Put me on that plane. <laughs> he just wanted to get there and perform for the troops. Um, just put me on it I don't care but in the end he did not go on that plane um that plane actually happened to be the plane that Glenn Miller died um I don't know too much about Glenn Miller I know Jimmy Stewart did a movie about him but he was a big musician at the time if you've ever heard that famous like there's there is a very famous song like the fifth like you know it when you hear it exactly I I listened to it I'm like that's him yeah you know it I know people, like, if you've heard it, you know it. But Mm -hmm. it's one of those, like, that's a Glenn Miller song. (laughs) Yes. But um, unfortunately, if you do know the Glenn Miller story, um, he was killed in a plane crash going over to Europe to go perform for the USO as well. I believe they were brought down probably by Nazis. I don't know for sure. But they were shot down. That was initially going to go on. Can wow. you imagine? I was just like, <gasps> like, it's so sad for Glenn Merriller, but imagine having Fred Astaire on that as well. We would not. My have... gosh. There, there would have been so much. Like, you would have had classic Fred Astaire, but you wouldn't have anything that he did in the 50s yeah, and no. later on. But that's, that's crazy. a lot of missing stuff. Yeah. But uh, once, once he was there, they were very close to the front lines. There was time, like, you can hear the bombs going off. Um. There was a story about him. I think he was, like, walking in the middle of the night out in an open field where, you know, they could have been blown up at any moment in time. Is he Again, insane? 
all in his yeah <laughs> all in his book it was very interesting but yeah they were very very close to the front lines um okay yeah he probably had a, a few close calls uh getting blown up or something <laughs> but yeah um another wonderful thing as you know he was always known to be this very charming guy in his movies and he's sane in his movies um he was very humble though and modest he never considered him a good singer and i know there's a lot of people too like if you put him against bing crosby obviously bing crosby is the singer for the series the dancer so he never considered it he's like oh i can carry a tune that's about it but he did have a few musical albums um i do love this though on the what's my line episode uh, they asked him, like, oh, are you a singer? And he said no, because he doesn't <laughs> consider himself a singer. And so once they found out it was Fred Astaire, the judges were like, oh, they're like, no, 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 wait, you said you're not a singer. And then they're like, I just bought your last album. Like, I, you're not, how dare you say you're not a singer? I consider you one of the greatest singers of all time. And, like, he's just, like, so humbled by it. But he's like, I don't consider myself a singer. But... Some people really love it too and do consider him one of the absolute greats of that time as well. And I just, I love that. They're just, yeah. they were so shocked. They're like, you said no, you lied, <laughs> you do sing. You do but technically it was, sing. Yeah, it was, it was sweet. I love that. So now we're going to detour into the wonderful dance influence Fred Astaire has. Nines uh, dance on film by taking as little takes as possible. And following the whole dance in its entirety and filming the dancers' full bodies. So they're not taking 20 takes. They're only taking four to eight takes, if possible. Um, so that saves on money and it shows actual dancing. And it shows that, hey, it is them doing all the work. Yeah. Um, his dancing was always considered elegant, graceful, original, precise. He choreographed all of his dances unless he had his right-hand man, Hermes Pan, who co-choreographed as well. You can see his name a lot in movies. Yeah. Um, he was very technical, perfectionist. Like, I think I mentioned in one of the past episodes, like 20 takes, 30 takes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfectionist. Nothing is ever perfect, guys. It's For performance, it's like, okay, that's the best one. We're just going to go with it. Um, and, of course, he inspired future dancers, incredible dancers, such as Mikhail Baryshnikov, George Balanchine, both the biggest names in ballet history, probably, the Nicholas Brothers, Bob Fosse, Michael Jackson, and actually, I really do love that um, uh, Fred Astaire actually said Michael Jackson is his descendant for dance. So he was, like, leaving all the dancing to him. And now Michael Jackson's gone. And I'm just like, oh, my God, who is it now? In my opinion, Derek Huff. That's my opinion. I could see that. Yep. And the extra little fun fact, if you watch the Bandwagon movie with Fred Astaire and Sid Charisse, you'll realize, like, one of the dances is like, hey, that looks so familiar. Da-da-da-da. That dance actually inspired... Michael Jackson's music video for Smooth Criminal. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I don't like that. That's okay. just so cool to me. I'm just like, no wonder it looks... Yes! That's yes. interesting. Okay. Yeah, so go watch it, guys. I know that. Bandwagon. It's a, it's, inter- it's a little cheesy, but it's actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's the... I believe it's like one of the final big numbers. 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you watch that, watch Smooth Criminal, and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> you're like, absolutely. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, with all of that, he had an insanely amazing career, uh, spanned about 76 years, uh, more than 10 Broadway shows, both in, on Broadway and in West End London productions, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense now when you mentioned that he was really big in London. He was doing yep. West End shows as well. Um, and yeah, 31 musicals, uh, four TV specials. <clears throat> just 31 musicals, that's just it. 30, yeah, just 31, you know. Why not? That's just a small number compared to... No, guys, that's insane. <laughs> That is insane. Uh, but yeah, he took the genre of tap dancing to a whole other level. Like, mm-hmm. you don't hear about too many tap dancers nowadays. So. Yeah, it's slow. I feel like it's slowly coming back. So happy yeah. because it's the old art form. Like, back then in film, you had to know, well, you had to know some sort of ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had to know tap, period. You had to know yeah. tap. It's not a musical without tapping it. It's crazy. Like, uh, like, yeah, you watch back and you watch certain musicals and you're like, yeah, no, you, it, it's all tap almost. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple, like ballet, I think helps you learn like the structure of dancing and things. Yes, exactly. But, 100%. And then eventually you move on to like learning how to do other dances and things like that, like ballroom or tap or things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like we mentioned earlier, uh, AFI named him the fifth greatest male star for mm-hmm. the golden age of Hollywood. Yep. He did receive a Lifetime Achievement Award from them as well. Perfect. Like, well-deserved. Of course. Well-deserved. And, of course, several different awards. Yes, of course. He won multiple Emmys, multiple Golden Globes. Um, he got a Kennedy Center Honors in 1978. Uh, he did get nominated for an Oscar when he was older for Best Actor in The Tower of Inferno. I believe that was 1974. Um, but eventually he did get an honorary, an honorary Oscar for his unique artistry and contributions for, technique, for dance technique in film in 1950. Very well deserved, in my opinion. And just more and more and more awards that you can possibly imagine. You lit- like it's such a long list, guys, that he's won or been nominated for. You have to go online to look at it. Yeah, so it much. would take us a whole hour to probably list them all and go into them all. Yes, but it's it's crazy. He definitely he lived a life like it- he, yeah, he had eighty eight, and I I loved. <laughs> um, you can Google it, Fred Astaire, Oscar, I think, it was, yeah, it was the Oscars um, tap dance. He's like 75 mm-hmm. or something, and he does a full-on tap dance for everyone. It's amazing. And see, like, dance really keeps you young, guys. It dance in a healthy me, life, yeah. It reminds so me good. of the year that I watched uh, one of those, like, Wonderful World of Disney things. Mm-hmm. They did uh, the Step in Time dance, and I remember Derek and Julianne Huff were hosting. Yeah. Derek Huff was doing the Step in Time dance, and he's going through. They're all tap- They're all doing their thing. And all of a sudden, they open the doors, and Dick Van Dyke comes out, and he oh, does the dance yes. with them. And I yep. just remember going, like, oh, my God. <laughs> Rightfully <laughs> so. It blew my mind. I was like, this man... <laughs> I swear, but Love yeah, him. no. I rewatching that video too. I'm just like, 
these people, like, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, like, he had so many iconic dances, one being in Holiday Inn, the firecracker dance. Yes. I love it. <laughs> that is one of his best dances, and it's not just me saying that. Um, I say watch the movie so you can watch it for real and not get spoiled, but if you can't, then just watch them on YouTube because they're everywhere. He's done yeah. dances with a broom. He's done dances with drums. <laughs> God, this man is so brilliant. Oh, he, my goodness. Yeah, completely. Like, yeah. Of course, he had other inspirations who came before him. And Fred Astaire probably would be, not be Fred Astaire without them either. Yeah. But if you think he was the greatest dancer of all time, a lot of people, personally for me, I would say Fred Astaire. He's, but, uh, he's one of the best, that's for yeah. sure. So happy birthday, Mr. Fred Astaire. Thank <laughs> you, especially from your dancers, your future dancers, all of us down here. We love you, your continued inspiration. And we just, ugh, I never get sick of watching your dances. So thank never. you, thank you, and happy birthday. He would be 122 today, I think. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and to think, he didn't do his films until he was, like, in his 30s and 40s and 50s. Like, it's crazy. (sighs) But thank you. We love you. And, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to our special Fred Astaire episode. I certainly loved learning more about him. Um... I didn't know too much about his personal life before this, so that was pretty cool to learn about. Um, So stay tuned. Next week, we actually have a pretty fun combined episode that we are going to be going with. We remembered a movie that actually Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire did. So we are going to combine a movie review with our past two birthday episodes. And we are going to be reviewing Funny Face, which we mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned. It'll be personally, I've never seen this movie, actually. So I'm excited <laughs> uh, to get to watch it and review it with you guys. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm.